1: 800-817-2968. 800-817-2968. 800-817-2968. That's eight hundred eight one seven twenty nine sixty eight.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, live from the West Coast, It's time for Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look into combat sports. Ring Talk Live Worldwide is brought to you by the World Boxing Council, the WBC. That is just a fact of life. And now, the host of the longest-running fight show in radio and Internet history, Pedro Fernandez.
0: Woo, it's going to be good. (laughs)
3: Domicie Caballeros, bienvenido, ladies and gentlemen. Emanating coming at you from the multi-million dollar sports by Live Studios. Check it. This is Ring Talk Live Worldwide on WBC TV. Often imitated, but hardly duplicated, 37 make that, 38 plus years now of knocking out all bums. Who am I? My name is Pedro Fernandez. I am your ever so modest host. And when I say modest, think caps. I'm a four-time Golden Glove Champion, and I've won some awards for my writing. So allegedly, supposedly, I know a little bit about boxing. But guess what? I've always found out the average fan knows a little bit more. So I opened up the text line at the top of each hour, just for you, the average fan. Here's the text number for the studio. This text line, once again, 415-275-1613. Of course, it's official. Tyson Fury, the undefeated World Heavyweight Champion, to defend against number one ranked Dillian White. Of course, that's going to go down sometime in April. A record bid by Frank Warren. Frank Warren, the veteran promoter, of course, from the U.K., bid $43 million on the fight. That's a record bid for a pro- professional boxing match. No doubt about that. Tyson Fury gets 80%. Dillian White gets 20%. This fight's going to rock and roll, no doubt about that. A fight all about England. So, speaking of England, we'll bring in Sir Kenneth Rainford. At about 20 minutes past the hour, right. Sir Kenneth Rainford, of course, our boxing lord from the U.K. will spend some time with him because boxing in the U.K. is always hot. Straight up, last night, of course, uh, Rafael Conseco, the man that lost very controversially to Oscar Valdez in a WBC title bid uh, about six months ago. Well, last night he was successful, almost a shutout win over a young man by the name of Martinez. He came to fight, had one moment in the third round, but outside of that, the Brazilian gold medalist was just that, gold. Straight up, you are tuning to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing, MMA, Brought to you by the World Boxing Council. Check out their website, wbcboxing.com. On the other side of the break, we're talking boxing news and results on Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
1: that's
5: 800-693-8290.
3: Well, of course, the Queen of Soul, Motown music. Wow, go back 1964, that tune. Without a doubt, she was the Queen of Soul. You know, I knew Aretha Franklin. When I say I knew Aretha Franklin, I got to introduce her twice. Once at Cobo Hall and once in, uh, I can't remember what the other name of that arena was out there in Detroit. But the bottom line were the Detroit Lions this way. But the bottom line is I love my female singers, no doubt about it. But Aretha, she was known as the Queen of Soul, but I always thought Mary Wilson was the original Queen of Motown, not Diana Ross. Anyway, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking into the world of boxing and MMA. Of course, last night, uh, how can I put this? You know... A man is supposed to face Canelo Alvarez, the world champion, 168 pounds. Of course, a pound-for-pound king, no doubt about the once-beaten lad. Of course, lost that once-fight to Floyd Mayweather back when he was greener than Guacamole. Anyway, he's supposed to take on Ilanga Makubu who is the WBC Cruiserweight Champion. 200 pounds. Makubo was the winner last night, 29-2, 25 kills. Retained his title with a 12-round split decision over number one contender, Theobaso Machunu, who drops the 23-6, 13 kills. I think they fought once before, of course. This was on Don King's comeback card. Forget Don King's comeback. He's toast. Stick a fork in the old man. Nine years old, the world's greatest promoter, no more. He had a main event last night. Trevor Bryan was in the main. The guy was a 25-to-1 favorite. A 25-to-1 favorite. And he won a split decision. In other words, one judge thought the other guy, who looked like uh, you know maybe the supervisor at Wendy's or something like that, maybe a guy from the 7-Eleven, maybe, uh, I don't know, some type of lumberjack. something Didn't look like an athlete. He came out and he fought, though, without a doubt. But what I'm trying to tell you is that, you know, Don Kings failed miserably in his last couple of shows. This show was just like... Just terrible. I mean, when you think of the great fights he put together with Mike Tyson, he did some Ali fights, he did Larry Holmes fights. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I mean, Julio Cesar Chavez fights, you know, but to watch him last night, I watched part of that card, but to watch part of that card last night was sort of like, huh... It, it, it was it was sad. I mean, yeah, he's nine years old, and this kind of stuff. But it was sad. I mean, here was a guy that 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 made presidents not long before Donald Trump. I mean, he made presidents take notice. He just did. He was like the world's greatest promoter. Last night, Jonathan Gidry came in undefeated, seventeen and zero, left seventeen and one with a two draws and and. Ken, and uh, and Ten Kales but I think he's out of Texas. I think Bobby Benton had him, but the bottom line is they fought for something called the WBA heavyweight title. I didn't know there was a WBA heavyweight title available. I always thought that, you know, uh, Olek Usek had those belts. Remember that? Olek Usyk had all the belts, but the WBC belt and the linear belt and the Ring Magazine belt. Those three belts belong to Tyson Fury. Okay, but the bottom line is Trevor Bryan, who's 22 and zip, weighed like 260 pounds outside, big fat guy, had a gut on him the whole nine yards, not representative of a heavyweight champion without any doubt. Anyway, a 12-round, get this, tell me some of the judges weren't way off, because I got to tell you, something's wrong here, okay? One judge had a 118-109, that's like 11-to-1 one with one round even, and uh, one judge had a 116-11, that's for Bryan, okay? And then one judge had a 115-112 to 112 for Guidry. So he had it like, you know, eight, yeah, eight rounds of four the other way. Bottom line is, I don't know. I watched part of the fight. I didn't watch the whole fight. I couldn't stomach that whole fight. I couldn't stomach much of that car because. Remembering the great, I mean, I said rinks. I went around the world with this guy, the King of Nap. You've heard me call him that, Don King. The King of Nap, the wire-haired wonder, all that kind of good stuff. Now, these were accolades I laid on him over the decades. Of course, I've known this guy since he screamed at me on the telephone one time about 1980, 1981. He was screaming on the telephone. He called up. he said, is this? he has some guy call on the phone he wanted to talk to. He said, uh, Don King's on the phone, he wants to talk. He who, Don who? He goes, Don King wants, wants to talk to you about that column you wrote in your magazine. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, Don, Pedro, is this Pedro anyway, that. That began the Don King relationship, and it's been hot. It's been cold. Right now, it's cold, and I'm not only, you know, a little, little pissed off at the fact he came up with this piece of spit show last night. And when I say spit on the show, I usually mean spit with an H. Um, but you know, it's just, it's not befitting of a man that that was, that was once great at that time. I mean, at one point in time, he could make it. What a promoter does, and Hector has to reinforce this every once in a while with me. But what a promoter does is, a promoter makes you bigger than you are. That's what they do. They make they make you and the event bigger than you are. These 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 modern day promoters, Al Heyman, people like that, they really can't do that. They can't excel at that because Don King can... Non, before Don King sell spit with an H, and you would buy it. Even I would buy it. But I wasn't buying last night. There's just no way, no how. And there's no way I want to watch Larry Holmes and Jerry Cooney uh, do that thing they did in, what, 1983, 1982? Nobody, I don't watch that fight again. Who wants to watch re- reruns on pay-per-view? Come on, Don. What were you thinking? What were you thinking? Anyway, at 9 years old, I guess he ain't thinking too much. But the bottom line is... It's the end of the day for Don King. He's just no doubt about it. And, and I'm not being disrespectful. I mean, he's been good to me. He's been bad to me. Remember one time when we were sitting in rinks, uh, sitting at a press conference in Las Vegas, I was with my daughter, my daughter Jacqueline. I guess she was about I don't know, three years old, something like that. Anyway, he said to me, do you have a nanny for the show tomorrow night? Because I did have a nanny already. But but he was checking. I mean, that was one of the times he was really cool. Other times, you know, he's screaming at me, swearing at me, calling me three o'clock in the morning, this and that. When you worked for Don King at a promotion, when you work for him, you work for him i mean i didn't know one fine i was a square to this back in the in the uh, late 1980s and and he's he one more one time in atlantic city he went to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, and then I got a phone call from him at 6.15. He said he wanted to know if I could meet him in the press room. I said, for what? He goes, it's time to go to work. I said, you just went to bed at 4 o'clock. He goes, I actually fell asleep about 4.30, uh, but I had an hour and a half sleep, and that's good enough for me. An hour and a half sleep. I don't think he's sleeping an hour and a half anymore at the age of 90, but the bottom line is he is done. I mean, just he is done. 2016 Olympic gold medals, Robson Caseo, of course. The man that lost that controversial decision to Oscar Valdez, the linear and WBC 130-pound champion earlier in the year, now 17-1, eight Kales, doesn't have the... doesn't have the pump, doesn't have the pop in his punch, and, he, and people think he fades. As far as they, you know, a lot of amateur fighters, fighters that excelled in the amateur ranks, Cubans especially, tend to fade down the stretch. Um, they thought he was going to fade down the stretch because they say he they say he faded down the stretch against Valdez. Some people say he didn't. Anyway, 17-1, eight KOs. Uh, the top-ranked debut of previously undefeated Xavier Martinez, 17-1, 11 KOs, didn't didn't go that way. I mean, Xavier had one moment, I think, in the Third round where he rocked him with a left hook. Outside of that, scores are 99-91. That means nine rounds of one and rounds. 190 means 10 zip. And 98-92, 8-2 in rounds. Straight up, the man deserves a shot at the WBC 130-pound champion. game without a doubt, I'm talking about Oscar Valdez. But Oscar Valdez is set for a match with Shakur Stevenson. Double S, of course. Both these young men, mm, both these young men unbeaten, both under the top rank fold of uh, Bob Arum. Of course, they're going to get it on, looks like, April the 30th for the um, – 130-pound championship. Let's be honest, man. Shakur Stevenson, he's got some beautiful moves. He's so talented, he blows my mind. The fact that he can throw punches over punches. I can never loop like he can loop. I mean, y- y- you 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 envision this. you know? He throws a punch, and he can get it over a guy's glove like a rainbow. You know how a guy throws a rainbow, but his punches aren't, like, looping? It's hard to explain. Anyway, Shakur Stevenson, undefeated, 2016 Olympic silver medalist. Of course, taking on the unbeaten. Uh, Oscar Valdez, WBC champion. These guys will hook it up April 30, it looks like, it's going to go down in Las Vegas, Nevada. It'll be either on ESPN or it'll be on ESPN. Without a doubt, ESPN. This is not going to be a pay-per-view fight. I think that Bob Arum is going to put this on ESPN, of course. Bob's doing a good job. He's 90 or 89 years old as well, of course. Massive Bob, I call him of the top-ranked plantation. And, yeah, the plantation is rocking and rolling these days. I mean, they are. They've got great shows on, uh, for the most part. They're pretty good shows. I won't say great shows, but pretty good shows. On the zone, and yeah, that they back, ESPN. Of course, they're ESPN shows, but they're pretty good shows, they really are. I mean, last night I saw with Xavier um, and Robinson, it was, it was okay for 10 for 12 rounds. I mean, it wasn't 10 rounds, it wasn't the greatest fight in the world, but outside of um, Mike Tyson and people like that, those super entertaining fights. Who is a super entertaining guy today, right now? I mean, who would you really want to see? Who in their box. There really isn't that type of—there's no killers out there. Boxing needs killers. Boxing needs a couple of thugs, you know, guys that make some noise. And I'm not talking about Javante Davis. Of course, Javante Davis is going to take on Raleigh Romero. That's going to be a good one. Why do I say that? Because Raleigh— Raleigh's an idiot. Raleigh shows up at press conferences with 100. It's 105 degrees out there, Anthony. And Raleigh shows up wearing a fur jacket, a fur coat, a big-ass fur, and fur shoes. I kid you not. Like slippers. I kid you not. Raleigh. And like Javante Davis told me, Javante Davis is the worst-spoken guy in the world. He's like ghetto. He doesn't know how to talk. And, and Floyd Mayweather wishes he would just, like, be mute, okay? But he said to him, hey, man, it's hot as bop-bop in here. And you're wearing fur. Bop-bop-bop. Bottom line is Raleigh Romero. And Javante Davis hooking it up in the Battle of the undefeateds for the WBA 135 pound crown. The date has not been announced, but that fight's going to go down. And that should be a good one, at least the lead up anyway. Both these guys talking smack. Who can I say? Little ghetto. Boxing needs it. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV. On the other side of the break, we go across the pond. Of course, we're talking UK boxing and bringing Sir Kenneth Rainford. You are tuned to Ring Talk and WBC TV.
5: put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year.
2: Now, more Ring Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
3: Check it 25 minutes past the hour, you tuned to the Ring Talk Live worldwide, We take it across the pond to bring in Sir Kenneth Rain for Boxing's UK Ambassador of Goodwill. Kenny, how are you, and how's the family?
6: Oh, everyone's good. Everyone's good, Pedro. Everyone's good. How's
3: things with you? Uh, things are okay. Of course, my my uh, longtime producer of 813 weeks, he has left us. We have a new guy in the house, Anthony, and he's rocking and rolling, so we're, we're happy. Uh, new blood in the house. Speaking of new blood, Dillian White's going to get a chance at Tyson Fury finally. Of course, that bid went down $43 million, and Frank Warren is back in the game.
6: <laughs> Isn't he just? I mean, I believe the zone. Put in a bid of thirty-two million, and uh, and Frank comes up with I think it was was it forty-one million dollars? Yeah, forty-two like
3: that. million, something like that. But the bottom line is like, yikes, that's a lot of money.
6: How's he going to get it back?
3: <laughs> he'll no, no, no. He'll get it back. I mean, Frank Warren. I'll say one thing about Frank. Um, I don't know of any events where he's launched worldwide where he's lost his ass. I don't can't remember any of those events like that. He's always seemed to cover himself well, and you really have to give him credit for the bounce back of of amateur boxing and professional boxing, I think, in, in the UK when he invested money in the amateur program about 10 or 15 years ago. Remember that?
6: Oh, yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. He is a very, very passionate boxing fan and promoter. There's no two ways about it. Um, I'm, just, I'm just curious as to how much interest there will be worldwide in Dillian White fighting Tyson Fury, though.
3: Well, that's where the promoters have to build it up. I talked earlier about Don King and that failure of his show last night, but the fact was that when Don threw shows, he made the shows bigger than they were, and that's what promoters got to do. I think Frank Warren's going to have to dig big into his bag of tricks and make this a big-time fight. I think that, that Tyson fury has got to do some um, some campaigning here in the United States a little bit as far as his United States feed is concerned. Dillian White, he's not going to draw over here, but I think that the Dillian White... Tyson Fury match will be a mega draw as far as the UK is concerned, am I right?
6: Oh, massive, massive. It'll be massive. And, and of course, the, the intriguing thing is, I mean, Tyson Tyson was out running this morning, posting on Facebook and stuff that he was running and what he was and what he wasn't going to do to Dillian White. At the same time, you know, it's going to take a lot for Tyson Fury to get up for a Dillian White after having a trilogy of fights with with a guy like Wilder, you know? is he Is he going to... Is he going to take Dillian White for real? Is he going to train as hard as he needs to? There's, a, you know, there's a lot of questions in there that that, that Dillian White can work on to, to to talk a win. Yeah,
3: Dillian White can t- talk all that hype all he wants, but the bottom line is, I think Tyson Fury will come and Tyson Fury will deliver. I think the threats against Tyson Fury right now. I happen to think that Usek is a decent threat. And of course, I don't think I don't know if you agree with me or not, but the fact that you say like he can box like Pernell Whitaker at heavyweight. And he packs a little pop now at 225. I think he's, I think he's, I think Usyk is an underdog, a good underdog against Fury.
6: Yeah. Well, I saw some footage of uh, Usyk, um, meeting up with Tyson Fury at a show. It was a bit of a surprise. Uh And Usyk, Usyk didn't look that much smaller than him, to be fair. You know, they were looking at each other and Usyk had that aura of confidence around him that I can beat this guy. You know, he, he had that look about him, um, Yeah, very, very, very... um,
3: Is is Usec the Charles Manson of boxing?
6: Could well be. I mean, doesn't he look
3: like him? I mean, the guy looks like a stone-cold serial killer. And I'm not talking Cheerios.
6: I mean, you should have seen the look he was giving Tyson Fury. It was friendly, but it was like, I'm going to beat you up. That was the look. (laughs) I'm going to beat you up. And uh, I don't think he he, he will beat Tyson Fury if they ever do fight, which I'm sure down the road it will happen. I don't think he'll beat him at all, but... um, I'm sure he can give him a real a real fight and a cagey fight of that until uh, until Fury, you know, finds his number.
3: Sir Kenneth Rainford of the UK Boxing's Goodwill Ambassador within the United Kingdom, no doubt about that. We're lucky to have him on the show. Um, the other heavyweight title fight we just talked about, of course, Anthony Joshua and going back after Olek Usyk. Um Reynoso, Eddie Reynoso, the trainer of Canelo Alvarez, says he wants to train Joshua for the rematch. You know, you can't make chicken soup out of chicken spit. Do you know what I mean by that?
6: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah, I mean, you know, T- Tim Witherspoon offered his services a long, a long time ago. He he, he thought he could do something with uh, Joshua. They they didn't even return his call. And the same with Larry Holmes. He, you know, Anthony Joshua was was saying to Larry at rings, "I want to learn how to jab like you." He said, "Well, the only way to learn to jab like me is is come visit me and we we'll, we'll we'll train together." It never happened. The people around that Anthony Joshua have just kept him. They know they know what he's about. They know his limitations. They know his capabilities, and they've they've really hurt him his career for me in in, in a lot in a lot of ways. But like you say, the initial tools they're not there.
3: No, and, and you know the fact that Usyk can like can faint people. I mean, listen, when someone got. Guy- you and I both have boxed, so you know what it's like to have some guy faint you out of your pants, okay? And and he can he faints people out of their pants. I mean, he he pulls Pernell Whitaker moves at heavyweight.
6: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he's a real slick customer, real real confident guy, and like you say, the fainting. Is something he's a real good, he's a real specialist to that. You know, he did plenty of it with Joshua, and Joshua just didn't get set. Joshua just did, didn't have the confidence for me to get set anyway.
3: Okay, did you happen to watch Don King's flop show last night?
6: I didn't, unfortunately. Um, I've watched, I've watched pretty much no boxing uh, this weekend with work, apart from the um, the face to face countdown involving uh, Chris Eubank and Ian Williams.
3: Uh, that is a hot fight. I mean, that's really got Britain on the uh, 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 taking notice, doesn't it?
6: Pedro, if you could have seen the face off that they had, they had 30 minutes in front of camera at one another. It was literally at any given second, one of them was going to pounce out of his chair and just get it on right there and then.
3: Saturday, February the 5th, of course, that's coming to you on ESPN and Sky Sports. Chris Eubank Jr. He's. Has he? Has he improved? I mean, you were sort of like a little on the fence with him, saying some not too many positive things about him.
6: Have you changed your mind at all? Um, no, listen, listen. In the gym, he's devastating. There's no two, two oh, ways about it. He's okay. In the gym, he's devastating. He just doesn't seem to have that. He's ninety nine percent got the ingredients, but not that one percent to put it all together. I'm, I'm a believer in, in this fight with Williams because. I actually do worry about Williams, despite the fact he's a real tough guy, and he's you know he can punch and he, he can box. I I saw something in Eubank's eyes that he wants to make this guy pay and pay dearly, and I think he's going to train like never before under Roy Jones Jr. and uh, I just think he's gonna I think he's going to produce the goods in this fight, and I I, I fear for Williams down the stretch. The amount of punishments he may end up taking in that fight.
3: Okay, of course that's going to be February Saturday, February fifth. I got to ask you this: So Liam Williams, what weight are they going to go? This somebody said it's one hundred and sixty. Somebody said it's one fifty-four. Do you have a weight on this?
6: I'm told it. I'm
3: told it's one sixty. Wow, that's what yeah, one sixty. Well, good luck on that one. And I don't know if I want to face a younger guy. Liam Williams coming up in weight from one fifty-four. I don't know. If I want to face a younger guy. At a heavier weight, Keith Thurman, Mario Barros going to go the same day. Mario Barros, of course, coming off that twelve round loss to Anthony uh, Gervonta Davis a while back. Bottom line is: Is Keith Thurman? Would you guys do? do are they offering you this on pay per view over there? They want us to buy this on pay per view.
6: Um, as far as I'm aware, we're we're not getting it on pay per view. We're getting it through. Uh, through, through the regular channels?
3: <laughs> As well you should. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Keith Thurman, in my mind, Keith Thurman's famous for one thing. Going out in the forest with a flute and smoking weed. I mean, that's about it. I mean, that's what I've read about him. He does it a lot. He meditates. He goes out into the forest. He grabs a flute. He brings some cannabis with him. I'm not, I'm not knocking cannabis. I'm not knocking flutes, but I'm knocking professional fighters to go out there with flutes and weed and smoke weed like that for a couple of years, and they say they're going to come back, and they put him in a pay-per-view contest
6: straight up. Come on. Yeah, yeah. You said it earlier on in the show. Um, we need someone to bring to, – we need someone to set a bonfire in boxing. You know, we've been we've been spoiled, and 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 rightly so. And we're just devoid of the of the talent that we had back. in. you know, Hearn's, Duran, Hagler, Leonard, you know, it, it, you know, uh, Wilfredo Benitez, Wilfredo Gomez, Salvador Sanchez, Lupe Pinto, Larry Holmes. It just it, it was it, it was it, you couldn't wait to get your hand on a boxing news or a ring magazine or or wait for you know ABC or oh, yeah. HBO to put a show on. We, we just don't have that no more.
3: Well, and on the weekends, I mean, we would run around to catch Wide World of Sports. You'd see people ripping and running at 4.30 at night because they knew the fights were coming on at 5. I mean, all our partners were, like, abandoning things we had to do. The fights are on.
6: Yeah, yeah. Not, not so and, much and, anymore. And the big one we missed out was Muhammad Ali. When Ali used to fight, the world used to stop.
3: Yeah, I no, I I know the world needs to stop. I remember a couple of times when when he fought out with Frazier the first time, I looked out the window and believe it, no there were no cars going on Mission Street. This is the busiest street in the city of San Francisco, and there no cars going back and forth. Nobody was in, nobody was out. Mm. You know, it was yeah. all about to fight. So anyway, bottom line is the UK is rocking and rolling. Of course they are the founders. They brought us the Marcus of Queensbury rules and Frank Warren's back in the saddle. I'm sorta happy for Frank.
6: Yeah, I am, too. I am, too. I, I'm delighted for Frank. You know, again, he's a, he, he's a, he comes across as a a, a quiet kind of, you know, subtle guy. But he is he is Britain's answer to Don King. He, he can be he can be ruthless and he can be kind.
3: And, and he's a bad dude. He got up from a bullet and he and he got and he got up from Mike Tyson dropping him in that hotel room.
6: <laughs> yeah, well, me and Annie, we even me and Ernie bumped into Frank seconds after that had happened.
3: Real, a boy, After after Tyson slapped him around? Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard he was pretty lit up. But Terry Marsh, I remember Terry Marsh, I think, is the guy that shot him, the former IBF Junior Welterweight Champion. I think, I think, I think. Anyway, I said to Terry Marsh, well, why, did you sh- why did you shoot Frank Warren? And he said to me, I wouldn't shoot Frank Warren. He's winking his eye at me. What did that mean?
6: <laughs> that he was winking his eye?
3: <laughs> yeah, what did that mean?
6: It means he did it, but he's not going to confess to it.
3: All the best to you, sir. Kenneth Rafer, how's the daughter doing?
6: She's doing great. She's doing great, improving on our show. Big things ahead for her for the Horse of the Year show this year. It's, It's looking good.
3: Sir Kenneth Rainford, it's always a pleasure, man. Kiss the kids. We'll talk real soon. Take care, buddy. Boxing's ambassador of the UK. Of course, he stays up late to spend some time with us on Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV. Of course, I'm talking about Sir Kenneth Rainford of the UK. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV.
1: That's 800-756-3744 Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. 800-449-1759. Again, that's 800-449-1759. This report sponsored by IBM. As 2022 begins, we can
0: learn from the disruptions of the last two years and anticipate new trends in AI and automation that will shape the future. Seth Dobrin, Chief AI Officer, IBM.
7: From more sustainable business operations to more personalized consumer finance products, the adoption of AI is already having a major impact on our daily lives. And as AI becomes even more explainable and more fair, our trust in the technology will allow it to be used in new ways, forging the path for AI's lasting positive impact. How? In banking, for example, progress
0: in AI-powered fraud detection can mean a more secure experience for customers. In healthcare, explaining coverage and accessing benefits can be streamlined with conversational AI, helping create a more inclusive healthcare system. And in retail, where consumers already see AI's effects in areas like online shopping recommendations, we expect to see AI help better anticipate demand and predict disruptions, strengthening supply chains. For more, visit ibm.com AI. Now, more of Ring Talk
3: with Pedro Fernandez. Anthony is in the house. Get this, I got a new producer. Scott Cuddy, of course, what can I say? He, uh, retired, medical reasons. He uh, is in Colorado, wishing the very best. But Anthony's in the house. He's rocking and rolling back there on the board. He's learning to turn that mic off during the commercial breaks because I've been known to say a few things that could get me in trouble during commercial breaks. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of Boxing and MMA, of course. Next week, Fox Sports going to put on this Keith Thurman Mario Burials, of course. Pay per view Burials coming up with the on the short end of that Gervonta Davis twelve round decision. He put up a formidable, uh, credible performance, no doubt about that. But Keith Thurman, like I said, the best thing he's known for is going out in the woods and smoking weed. Carlos Quadras, of course, these guys hooked it up once before. I think Quadras won the first time, but he's going to take on Wingo Wingerset. His real name is Sirikit Sor God, I wish this guy would get his name right. At one point in time, he was AK Battery. I get you, know, he's got all these different names, and they're all based on sponsors. So I guess you want to buy my name, and you can do that with bottom minus. But they bought his name, like four or five different names. Carlos Quadras is going to hook it up. That's going to be on the zone. That's coming to you from the Footprint Arena Phoenix, Arizona, that's going to go down February 5th. Of course, February 5th, February 5th is going to rock and roll as far as boxing concerned. But you don't have to watch it on pay-per-view. I think if you skip the pay-per-view card, I think you'll have a good evening. I think you'd watch Chris Eubank Jr. come to us from across the pond. Of course, it's going to be on Sky Sports and ESPN. Him and Liam Williams, bad blood, just like Kenny said. So I think that's going to be a fight you really, really want to watch. No doubt about that. Now, as far as Don King's card last, last night was concerned, there was an undercard. Hmm. Cruiserweight, Johnny Langston, now 10-3. and 3. This is the guys he's got fighting on his card uh, guy that are 10 and 3 this is the world's greatest promoter with stiffs with with journeymen i mean good lord man these guys are like sears and robeck type of fighters i kid you not anyway he uh won a decision over ahmed hefney who came in who's now 13 and 2 with five KOs, enough for the nabf gold belt whoa whoa 276 pound scott who outweighed hefney by 60 pounds i mean come on he was a pig I'm being nice. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to go off. I don't want to go off too much here as far as, you know, I, I'm not dogging people because I'm trimming. I got a 29-inch waist and other guys don't. But the bottom line is I work at it. It's not lucky. I remember Mike Christie, my Golden Glove rival, of course, Mike, the 1982 Golden Glove champ from uh, San Jose, California. Um, he says it ain't luck. The fact that he and I walk around trimming ain't luck. We run. We run our ass off. We trade our asses off because we don't, want to get our ass whooped. That's why we both do it. I kid you not. We both have the same reason. It's not like we're expecting a fight, we're anticipating a fight, this and that, but just in case, just in case, you're ready to go. Like that guy, you know, that guy that popped off in the taco shop a couple years ago, he had to bite the dust and that guy that pulled that crap, as far as the road race was concerned, and followed me two miles in San Francisco, he got his ass whooped as well. So the bottom line is, if you want to push it, you can, but you never know when you've got a guy that's in great shape. Like, my, look at Mike Christie. Ah, oh, Mike's just a skinny guy about might get out there and whoop your ass that's what the bottom line is you just never know Sergio Martinez remember him former uh, middleweight champion of course a junior middleweight as well of course he won last night down there in Argentina I think uh over a guy named Macaulay McGowan 14-3 to 3 now with one draw and get this three KOs in other words the former champion wanting a safe fight fight the guy that's got three KOs in like 17 fights what are the chances of him knocking you out not very good. He can't punch. He couldn't punch his way out of a paper bag. But Sergio Martinez is going to continue the fraud. And when I say the fraud, listen, he's like 55-3-2 with 30 kills, a former champion. Fighting stiffs like this, he should be arrested for impersonating the guy that he used to be. That's just the way it is. At the end of the day, Martinez uh, Martinez wins. But who really cares, man? I mean, Sergio Sergio doesn't get it. Sergio doesn't get it. He thinks he's still a star. Of course, boxing's hurting so bad. You heard Sir Kenneth Rainford talk about that. The fact that boxing really has no superstars, no guys that, you know, you want to stop and see. There's no Mike Tyson's. There's no Roberto Duran's. There's no Ray Leonard's. There's no Muhammad Ali's. I mean, boxing's sort of starving right now for a superstar. There's a, there, there are positions available at the top of the boxing chain for guys with talent to jump in and get it done. Okay? Javante Davis. I love his thug mentality. I mean, the guy doesn't talk too well, but then again, who cares? I don't want him to be articulate. I want him to kick ass, okay? He's undefeated because going to defend his title pretty soon against Raleigh Romero. Of course, Raleigh, I mentioned him a little earlier in the show. The guy that was cleared, I think six or seven different, six different women made uh, alleged sexual allegations against Raleigh Romero. Six different women, and all six of them proved to have, to have no merit. I mean, what's going on with that? I mean, Lenny Albert asked me about that one time. You know, Pete, don't you think it's a little crazy that that he's being ruined by false allegations? And then I said to Lenny— it's six chicks. It's not one. It's six chicks saying this. If six chicks say something, you there might be a little bit of merit to it. And I'm not trying to say there wasn't any merit to it, but the bottom line is six women. Uh, the, no charges were brought forth. So Riley Romero's going to challenge Javante uh, Davis sometime, I think in April, for the WBA 130-pound tile. Romero, of course, beat the snot out of Ryan Garcia in the gym. And speaking of Ryan Garcia, Hector says I give him too much play by mentioning his name, okay? But I, I got to tell you right now, um, you know, he's talking a lot of smack, and all he does is talk, you guys. He talks, you know, he had the anxiety attacks earlier this year. Listen, anybody that's boxed has anxiety attacks. If you don't, you're out of your mind, okay? Because anxiety is what drives you. Fear fear is the greatest motivator in the entire world. I mean, I was, listen, the only time I wasn't scared of getting whooped was when I fought what's his name? Rodriguez, Juan Rodriguez, I think here in the city. And I used to lump him up in the gym. I used to, okay, I'll use it. Bitch slap him in the gym, drop him with body shots. I mean, it was ugly. I used to abuse him. They should have arrested me for beating him up so bad in the gym. So when they said, Hey, you want to fight this guy in a little qualifying tune-up fight over there, Richmond, California, Richmond, California auditorium. I said, sure. No problem. Anyway, he beat my ass. He just, I wasn't scared of him. You got to be scared of somebody to compete. It's just part of fear. Fear is a big thing in boxing. At the end of the day, you know, nobody right now really carries that fear factor into the ring. Canelo is a special athlete. Of course, pound for pound, the pound for pound king, no doubt about that. What's he going to do next? I'm hoping that May the he takes on Jamel Charlo. And I want them to do this in Texas, not in Las Vegas, in Texas, in front of like seventy or 80,000 people. Charlo's from Texas. He's from Houston. Um, he'll draw some people, no doubt about that. He's, he does okay as far as his drawing ability is concerned. He's not a Canelo Alvarez. Nobody is. But him and Canelo can fill up Jerry Jones' stadium, the guy that owns the Dallas Cowboys. They fill that stadium maybe once or twice, but they can fill it get good ticket prices, this will be the fight of the year without a doubt. Of course, Jamel Charlo, undefeated, 160-pound champion, been around a long time. But who's he really fought? I mean, he hasn't fought anybody on—there's nobody on his resume that you would say— God, he's a really good fighter. No, he's, he fought a lot of average guys. When you fight average guys, you tend to look above average. Okay. So I don't know how good Charlo is. And of course, you got Charlo's brother, the 154 pound champ. He's going to go to the rematch with the guy that he recently fought. So that's going to be a good fight without a doubt. But at 160 pounds, Charlo's been talking a lot of smack. I want to do this. I want to do that. Fight David Benavides. If you can't get the fight, if you don't want to take on Canelo Alvarez at 168, and that's all the money, check this out. He could probably make 35 or 40 million bucks. Mm, I'm not kidding you. 35 or 40 million dollars with a good pay-per-view cut. I'm talking about Charlo as far as fighting Canelo Alvarez is concerned. Instead, he wants to fight guys you know make maybe a million bucks or, or maybe a million two this and that. And he's you know he's sort of satisfied with the million two because a million two is a lot of money, okay? And it's, and most of his fights are like not high risk. But Canelo Alvarez is high risk. There's no doubt about it. He will go in there, the betting underdog, Jamel Charlo, without a doubt, the betting underdog, maybe two, maybe three to one. I don't think he'd be higher than three to one, but it will be a three to one line, with, with I think, in my mind. I would place it at three to one right now. Okay. And as far as Charlo making the distance, you know, Canelo Alvarez got an attitude now. And he just does. I mean, he's trying to talk English now. And I'm not big on the guy talking English because when he talks English, he sort of sounds like a fool. But the bottom line is, you know, he's trying to develop his persona, per se, outside of being a fighter, of course. And we give him all kinds of props. Everything he touches turns to gold. He's got that Midas touch. I mean, look at what he did as far as he, those products he was sponsoring. I can't remember the name of the ones, but he was sponsoring two products down there in Mexico, and they were selling off the shelves. So, I mean, Canelo Alvarez is gold. No matter what he touches, he has the Midas touch. Now, he could fight anybody and make some money. As far as fighting the guy that fought last night, Makubu, the WBC Cruiserweight Champion, yawn, yawn. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Canelo Alvarez go up 35 or 40 pounds to fight some bigger guy. I mean, yes, it will be a form of, uh, it will be a great challenge. Um, he probably wouldn't go in here. Uh, it would probably be real close as far as the betting was concerned. People are going to probably want to bet on Canelo no matter what he does. But in that fight, when you're giving up size, size of that magnitude, It's heavy, and I've said this before because size matters. Anthony, size matters in two things pornography and combat sports. Okay? And this is combat sports. So what I'm trying to tell you is I think is going to be bigger than Charlo. I think he, Canelo smokes Charlo, and I think that out, inside of 10 rounds, Canelo will beat him down to the point where there will be no Mr. Charlo coming off the ring, all coming off the stool for the 11th round. That's if he has the intestinal fortitude to step up and fight. He talks a good game. I mean, him and David Benavidez are in the same stable. Benavidez says uh, to, Canelo, if you want to, if, to Canelo, if you don't want to fight me, okay, give up the title. That sounds pretty cool to me. David Benavides, former WBC super middleweight champion, of course, coming to us out of Arizona. Undefeated. But, 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 but he lost his title. How did he lose his Pedro? He, you just said he's undefeated. How could he lose his title if he's undefeated? <laughs> Cocaine. Sniffing that Colombian dust. That's what it was. I mean, he got into that Colombian dust, isn't that? Mauricio got wind of it through a, a drug test. Mauricio Suleiman and the WBC got together, put him in rehab. had to take the title away from him because, you know, he wasn't ready to defend and had some problems making weight and all kinds of things like that. Little head games that you have when you're not dedicated 200% to boxing. Because guess what? This is not baseball. This is not uh, backgammon. This is not badminton. This is not tennis. This is fighting. This is hurting stuff. I mean, people say to me, you know, how how could you go out there and try to hurt somebody? Why would you want to hurt somebody? It's not that I wanted to hurt somebody. It's that I didn't want to get hurt myself. It's simple survival. That's all there is. It's just simple survival. Anyway, at the end of the day, the bottom line is pound for pound. Canelo is a king. What he, deci- what he decides to do on that May 7th date will be, uh, Will be. A- I mean, May 7th is always a seminal moment as far as the year is concerned. The May date, as far as boxing is concerned, as far as Mexican champions are concerned. I mean, Julio Cesar Chavez, um, Oscar De La Hoya, all these guys fought in and around May the 5th, a Cinco de Mayo date, of course. And they came back about the second week of September and did the Mexican Independence Day. So they they reveled around both these holidays, of course. And when they threw fights in Las Vegas, I mean, they could they could get thirty five, forty thousand 40,000 people into Vegas, I kid you not. And when I found, I remember, the first Chavez-Melzer-Taylor fight was it 1990? Yeah, 1990. And I was in um, in Vegas. I went to the, at the Hilton Hotel. That's where they, they were going to hold the fight. And I'm saying to myself, there ain't no Mexicans here. What's going on? There ain't no Mexicans. The fault sold out. What's going on? I had to go to North Las Vegas to find Mexicans. When I found them, it was in a bar. I went into this bar. There was a puddle of blood in front of the bar before I went in. That should have been an indication things were a little shaky, okay? So I went in there. I got into a discussion with these guys about Julio Cesar Chavez. And then I told them, and then I told them, get this. I told them, Chavez lost a fight by disqualification. They were going to cut me up. I had to run out the place. Bottom line is, I know better now. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV. Anthony, take us to the break. <laughs>
5: the darkest of night with the moon shining bright Now, more Frank with Pedro
9: Fernand The man of the hour has an air of great power The dudes have ended him for so long
3: oh. super My late mother said he was never bragging when you were telling the truth He said, don't tell the truth too often, people Why, mom? Because people don't like honesty. What? What do you mean by that? You know, bottom line is they don't like telling it like it is. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing, MMA, of course, straight up. We have another hour of Ring Talk forthcoming here on Sports Byline, iHeartRadio, Sirius XM, Satellite Radio, the American Forces Network, Cable Radio Network. I go on and on. There's like a thousand different Internet platforms. But hour number two, we uh, hope to bring in the retired HBO godfather, Mr. Larry Merchant, of course, Harold Letterman. Remember him? The boxing judge from HBO Sports, HBO Boxing, of course, he celebrated his 82nd birthday this week, and he passed away about a year and a half ago. Harold was the greatest guy in the world to me. When I was inducted or when I was honored by the Northern California Veterans Boxers Association back in 2001, they had this big gala the night before Floyd Mayweather fought in town against Jesus Chavez. Harold Letterman came to the event, and he did the presentation. He did a long speech about me and the whole nine yards. I was blown away by all the kind words he said, and when I heard that. He was ill, of course, and he succumbed to cancer about it, I guess about 18 months ago now, when I heard that he was ill. He wasn't taking phone calls. <clears throat> Harold's one of those guys that he's really a proud man, and some people, when they get sick, like Mike Akery Mike Acri died last year, boxing promoter out of uh, a- uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, Roberto Duran's comeback, people like that. Anyway, he promoted Um when they got sick, they just they stopped taking phone calls, stopped talking to people. It was like a little we was really weird, you know. You like you want to be supportive in this that, but if they're not taking the phone calls, what can they say? Evidently, uh former WBC champion Gary Russell, of course he is a king of you know, milk cartons, right? He's always on the side of a milk carton. I hadn't seen him defend the title like what, four or five times in six or seven years. Anyway, the bottom line is formerly the longest reigning a world champion as far as title holders is concerned in the world of boxing. Gary Russell Jr., of course, lost that title last week to the Filipino phenom, Double M, Mark Masayo. Masayo now 24 and zip, 16 kills. One judge called it even. The other two judges called it 7 to 5 in rounds for the Filipino, and the Filipino out-punched him. Get this. How can the fight be close? One guy lands 259 punches, and the other guy lands 140. How the hell can that fight be close? How can one judge call it even? How can one, how can the two judges call it 115 and 113? It sounds like a route to me. I mean, 259 punches to 140? Holy cow. I mean, talk about getting routed on the car. Anyway, Maxeo, of course, the Filipino phenom, going to hook things up with the... Uh, Nonito Donair, of course the Filipino Flash, the world champion, WBC champion at 118 pounds, gonna take on Noea Inouye, of course, the IBF title holder. Of course, he also went, they also went, they went, what, a year and a half ago, two years ago, in a 12 round bout. Uh Donaire lost a 12 round bout. He's now thirty eight years old. Big surprise him winning the title this year, of course, and then defending that title as well against a former uh, Filipino countryman. But the bottom line is Donaire came back at the age of thirty eight, and of course, he's gonna take on Inouye and Inouye, the monster. They call him the beast. You name him, call him, he's a monster. There's no doubt about it. But the bottom line is, that's going to go down in Japan. The last time they fought, the Japanese fighter won, but he suffered two broken bones in his face, as far as orbital bones in and around his eyes. So, Nonito can still punch at 38 years old. More power to him. And, of course, the co-fighter of the year in 2021, in my mind, Nonito Inouye, along with George Kambosos. You are tuning to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Stay tuned, in hour number two forthcoming. <coughs> On the other side of the racist, misinformation, disinformation news, you are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Stay tuned after the news.
0: USA Radio News with
10: Jeremy Scott. The Northeast is digging out from a mountain of snow that has left tens of thousands of people without power and affected thousands of flights. Dangerous wind chills falling below zero in many locations across the region after the storm dumping snow from Virginia to Maine. Massachusetts though bearing the brunt of the storm. USA Radio's Chris Barnes is in the heart of
4: it in Cape Cod. They're already starting to get the streets cleared in even the hardest-hit places like Boston. The Massachusetts governor, Charlie Baker, says people did follow his urgings to stay off the roads last night. Thank you
7: very much to everybody who took that particular uh, concern of ours seriously. It's uh, It's made life dramatically easier for people who are out there
10: removing snow. USA Radio News. There are many things to think about if you are buying a home or refinancing your present one.
7: Like what's better, a direct lender or a mortgage broker? We like to think that a direct lender like Fellowship Home Loans is best.
8: As a direct lender, there is no middleman and endless requests for more documents. This could save you time and impact your terms and rates.
7: As a direct lender, Fellowship Home Loans can often close your loan in less than three weeks. Let's talk about it at 800-804-SAVE, that's 800-804-7283, or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com.
8: Regardless of your needs, Fellowship Home Loans wants to be your go-to source for home loans. Talk to a person, not a machine, at 800-804-SAFE. That's 800-804-7283 or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com.
7: Home is actually our middle name, Fellowship Home Loans. Welcome home. Intercontinental Capital Group, DBA Fellowship Home Loans,
5: Equal Housing Opportunity Lender, MLS number 60134.
10: The process underway to fill the seat of retiring Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. One of the women under consideration for that seat is hailing praise from some Republicans.
5: Juliana Michelle Childs, a federal judge for South Carolina since 2010, is now under consideration to fulfill President Joe Biden's campaign pledge of placing the first black woman on the Supreme Court. The White House confirmed that Childs, who House Democratic Whip James Clyburn has championed, was one of Biden's potential picks. Childs is the first publicly confirmed name under consideration to replace Justice Stephen Breyer, who announced he would retire at the end of the court's current term, which runs through June. From the USA Radio News Pacific Northwest Bureau, I'm Wendy King.
10: Senator Lindsey Graham is praising Judge Childs being considered. Senator Roger Wicker of the president's intention saying she will be a beneficiary of affirmative action. This is USA Radio News.
8: Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. There are hundreds of thousands of members and they love it. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating and... This is obviously huge. The typical family saves around six thousand dollars a year switching to Medishare. Find out more, they're great to talk to. 833 34 Bible. That's 833 34 Bible.
10: Protests continuing at the Canadian Parliament for a second day over COVID nineteen mandates. A freedom convoy of trucks and vehicles are parked in the city's downtown core, with people gathering on Parliament Hill and some setting off fireworks. Protest organizers say they'll stay in Ottawa until their demands for lifting COVID-19 mandates are met. A Canadian premier saying that he will end his province's vaccine requirement. Scott Moe, the premier of Saskatchewan, saying in a statement that being vaccinated doesn't prevent one from getting the virus. And the mandate, quote, makes no sense. Tennis star Rafael Nadal breaking the men's record for most Grand Slam singles titles with 21. Doing it the hard way by coming back from two sets down to beat Daniil Medvedev in an almost five and a half hour Australian Open final. The 35-year-old Spaniard becoming just the fourth man in history to win all four of the sport's major titles at least twice. Cost of goods keeps getting more expensive. Lance Pry from the USA Radio News West Coast Bureau reports.
4: The Commerce Department reported Friday consumer prices rose 5.8 percent in December compared to one year earlier. The government is blaming supply chain disruptions, product shortages, and a tight labor market. It should be noted the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, the one the Federal Reserve watches closely, does not include food and energy prices. It rose to 5.7% in November.
10: For USA Radio News, I'm Jeremy Scott. What are you so happy
0: about? I'm on the pill. Aren't you two a bit old to worry about having more kids? Not her. Me. Uh, You lost me there, buddy steel man pills things weren't always looking up if you catch my drift so my doctor prescribed me a little something like viagra yeah but that's expensive and it wasn't covered by my insurance steel man pills cost me less than three bucks a pill and virtually the same effect i just called and got over 40 pills for only 99 dollars i have this friend who might be looking and well if your friend wants some help the consultation is free over the phone no clinic
2: and gentlemen live from the west coast it's time for ring talk live worldwide your inside look into combat sports ring talk live worldwide is brought to you by the world boxing council the wbc that is just a fact of life and now the host of the longest running fight show in radio and internet history pedro fernandez who's
0: gonna be good
3: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ring Talk Live Worldwide WBC TV, of course coming to you Sunday, January 30, 2022 Don King is history Put a fork in him, stick a fork in him, say what you want But the bottom line is, at 90 years old, that show we put on last night Well, it wasn't befitting of a Don King show In other words, it was a piece of spit When I say spit on this show, I usually mean spit with an H Bottom line is, Don King should have been arrested for putting that show on TV When you look at his his resume, when you look at his background, all the great fights of Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali, Larry Holmes, I can go on and on, Ken Norton, and he puts on fights last night, give me a break. I almost wanted to puke. I'm glad I didn't buy that fight. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, your inside look at the world of boxing, and MMA. On the other side of the break, we hope to bring back the retired HBO godfather, Larry Merchant. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
7: Call now and learn which Echo product by Synergy Science is right for you. We offer free shipping and a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your health by simply changing your water. 800-944-1789.
1: 800-944-1789. 800-944-1789. That's 800-944-1789.
2: Now more of talk with Pedro Fernandez.
3: This is Lenny Williams with the slow stuff. We don't need to get that slow, man. Sounds like a funeral. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing and MMA. Of course, Lenny Williams, the former Tower of Power lead, a platinum recording artist on his own. He is one of my godfathers, no doubt about that Hey Lenny, continued success and good health with you and Denise up there, you and Debbie up there in Fairfield, California. Now, the city of Ali is a movie that's going to take place. It's going to um, uh, it's going to be like a panel or talk about Ali's influence on the world, this kind of stuff. It's going to go down. It was supposed to go down on Muhammad Ali's birth, Muhammad Ali's birthday. I think it was January seventeenth, uh, and of course it is going to go down there. The State Department asked that they would delay this. Why would the State Department? Why would the State Department get involved with a documentary about Muhammad Ali and want to delay it until February? Anyway, it's going to go down February 22nd, uh, 2022, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. in the West. And the panel of this uh, this city of Ali, Muhammad Ali, it's a big in-depth story about Muhammad Ali, of course. What can I say about him other than the fact that everybody touched... He made better. He made me a better person because, you know what? I'll tell you this. I have a chip on my shoulder. I really do. I have a chip on my shoulder. And when I'm wearing Ali gear, I have less of a chip on my shoulder because I'm a representative of him. That's the way I feel. So that's when I'm wearing the Ali shirts or the Ali sweatshirts or this kind of stuff. You know, I tend less to cuss people out and this and that when I'm wearing that because of the fact that it would be uh, a direct reflection on him. And I wouldn't want to ever cast any aspersions on him. I mean, the man, when I went around the world with him on two different occasions, well, you know, it was wonderful. I mean, what can I say? The fact that he put me in charge of the security after the first time. Check this out. We're in 1993 We're in Beijing, China. I'm dying. I'm losing weight. I lost like seven or eight pounds already. We've been there like five or six days and I'm losing weight. We're going to be there for like nine or 10 days. I'm losing weight, man, because the Chinese food was so bad. I mean, it sucked. They tried to they tried to cook us American food, right? And that didn't work. They had like raw bacon and things like that. And they're trying to serve, a, serve Muhammad Ali was a Muslim bacon. That didn't work out too well either, okay? So then they say, well, we've got some Chinese food for you. So Ali and I were in a buffet line and because Ali's hands shake, you know, the Parkinson's, his hands shake. So I was getting this plate for him so we're walking up and I got, like, I got a slice of roast beef and this and that so we walked up on the soup thing so I said Champ you want some soup he goes yeah what's in it I said what you got there man? what's going on with the soup he goes I go those meatballs he goes no 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 pigeon head and I didn't hear what he I would say that again pigeon head they were pigeon those were pigeon heads in that soup so Ali and I pass on that but you can imagine us losing all this weight in China because they couldn't cook for us okay when we went back the second time we made sure they brought our brought our own American chef but the bottom line is we're starving over there and Lonnie Ali who's Muhammad Ali's wife um she comes up we-, we we cross paths in the lobby and she says Pedro how are you and I said you know I'm fine Mrs. Ali call me Lonnie blah 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 she goes where are you going I go I'm going to McDonald's. I'm starving. I can't eat this crap anymore. I'm done. The only thing I eat here is the oatmeal in the morning. That's it. Outside of that, I'm starving. And she goes, "Would you get would you get Muhammad a hamburger?" I go, well, what kind does he like? She goes, oh, I don't know, anyone you want. So when I went there, I bought Ali a filet of fish. I bought him a quarter pound with cheese. I bought him a Big Mac. I bought him all the, like, you know, the three big burgers. Anyway, brought him back to him. From that point forward, he was sort of cool. But, you know, I remember on the way over to China the first time to Beijing, he came up and got me. I was in coach. He made me sit up there in business class. Not business class. It had beds. They had beds. It was like this this, this, luxury, this luxury cabin up near the... Um, Near the um, near the pilot store, and you open the door and see the pilot. In fact, I opened the door and found the, the pilots were both all three of them were sleeping. All three were sleeping. I went back and up. Well, that's another story. Anyway, bottom line is Ali gets me up there, and. Uh, Sits me down and says, go to sleep, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like freaking out because with all these beds laying down here. And I don't want to go to sleep. I mean, Muhammad well, Ali's right there. My heart's pounding. I'm thinking all kinds of different things. Thoughts are going through my mind, all the great fights he had, this and that, how my father could never believe where I was right now. This and that. My mother was like freaking out when I told her on the phone. Anyway, so I'm stir crazy. I'm sitting there in this bed and I can't go to sleep. I mean, I can't, I can't make a lot of noise because everybody else in the cabin is sleeping, right? So I opened up the door to the um, cabin so you know where the pilot was, and all three pilots were asleep. I kid you not. All three Chinese dudes. I'm not trying to say Chinese drivers are bad, but Chinese pilots, I get a little scary. So anyway, one guy was that way. The other two guys were the other way. One, like, their heads tilted to the right, heads to the left. The bottom line is they were all asleep. So I went back and woke up Melania Ali and told her that the pilots were all asleep. And she, of course, she, of course, thought that I was pontificating, that I was exaggerating. that oh Pedro, blah, 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 blah. She was pissed. She wasn't saying it, but she was pissed. Okay. I drug her up there. Opened up the door. All three guys were asleep. She freaked out. I mean, her little eyes, bawr, and she was like, whoa, you got to be kidding me. So anyway, we went back there. We uh, got a couple of the flight attendants and told them what was going on. They went and alerted other people on the, on, the, on the crew. Get this. They had the crew sleeping up front, and they had another Chinese crew sleeping in the back. So there were two crews on there. There was one to relieve the other, and they didn't use them. But the bottom line is, we could have crashed into a mountain. Could have crashed anywhere out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You could have just crashed, okay? They wouldn't have known. Good Lord. Bottom line is, of course, we got to Beijing, China. And then they wanted to put Muhammad Ali on a... Uh, uh, now we got to Hong Kong, and they wanted to put us on a second trip. They wanted got us to Hong Kong. They wanted to put us on a helicopter. And, of course, my boss, the former uh, rock promoter Bill Graham, who I did some security for here in San Francisco, he died in a helicopter crash. Mark Eddis, Donald Trump's right-hand man, his attorney, his representative in the sport of boxing, he died in 1992 in a helicopter crash. So the bottom line is, in 1993, uh, 1994, I wasn't taking Muhammad Ali up in no elevator, in no, uh, no, uh, in no elevator, in no helicopter. Especially since I was in charge of security, because I could just hear Hector and those guys saying, you know, Ali put his life in our Pete's hands. He went over to China, and he's dead because he went up in that helicopter. So I wasn't letting him go up in the helicopter. So it was this big fight at the ticket booth. At the helicopter place. And so he goes, there's no refunds. And Harold Smith is saying, man, you're causing all kinds of problems. Everybody's getting scared of the helicopter. They're saying, why don't you just shut up and go along with the program? I said, no, I'm not shutting up. I'm not going along with the program. The bottom line is, that thing. those things, they don't glide. Helicopters don't glide. If something goes wrong, they fall out of the sky like a rock. Okay, they just do. I mean, I've, ew, God. Anyway, so I convinced everybody. Ali and his wife not to get on the helicopter. So we had to get refunds and there was no refunds. The guy had this big sign, and it must have been in nineteen different languages, no refunds. But I saw what it says up there in English. Forget all the other stuff. I knew what it was, no refunds. So I went back there and you know Harold Smith says, You gotta get the money back. I said, what do you mean I got to get the money back? You got to get the money back. You not you don't want to fly in the helicopter, you go get the money back. So I went over to the guy and I'm telling him, you know, we need a refund, blah, blah, blah. And he was giving me a lot of smack. I wanted to choke him, but I couldn't choke him on another, and you know, can't choke a guy. Anyway, bottom money is I said to him, you know what? I can make you a lot of money. And you, a lot of money? How? I said, I'll get Muhammad Ali to take a picture with you right next to the sign right here for your little tour thing. I said, and you can use that for advertising for the rest of the rest of your life. I said, you can make big, big money on that. Muhammad Ali on your tour, man, you can get over on this. So he thinks about it for a second because there's $3,000 hanging in the balance, okay? And he says, okay, boom. I got him to take the picture of Ali. We took the three grand and we rode helicoils where the, these boats that go on top of the water. We run this helicoil all the way over to from, uh, from, uh, Hong Kong to Macau. But the bottom line is, I wasn't putting Muhammad Ali on no helicopter. I wasn't getting on the helicopter. And the bottom line is, I was right. Usually I am. You are tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Your inside look into the world of boxing and MMA. Next up, the retired HBO godfather, Mr. O'Leary Merchant in the House. Of course, will be talking about Harold Letterman, Mr. Boxing himself, the voice. I mean, I think he was the voice of HBO Boxing because when he spoke, you knew it was Harold. Harold's got the distinct New York voice, no doubt about that. Anyway, bottom line is, this is Ring Talk and WBC-TV.
1: Now more Talk with Pedro Fernandez.
3: Well, I didn't expect the uh, theme show of the monsters to come back to introduce the retired HBO Godfather Larry Merchant, but so be it. Godfather, how are you?
11: <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. I'm watching the ball game.
3: Okay. Um, of course, the, the 49ers are they about, are they going to play now? Or are they playing already or what?
11: No, they play later this afternoon.
3: Okay. You got a call on that one, the Niners and the Rams?
11: You know what? I really don't know. You know, the Niners have beaten the Rams six games in a row. There must be some reason for it. (laughs) Although the Rams appear to have uh, a more explosive team on the field.
3: Good point. And this Jeremy Giroppolo, whatever our quarterback seems to choke in the uh, in the postseason. Let's go off to another subject here. Harold Letterman, would have turned eighty two this week, of course the, the HBO boxing judge passed away. I uh, have from cancer well, about eighteen months ago, I think. Um, but you know, I really miss Harold. I used to call him on the phone, and when he picked up the phone, you knew it was Harold. I mean, he had that distinctive <laughs> voice, didn't he?
11: Um. Yes, and if you heard, if you listened to it. HBO telecast, you, you knew it was Harold already with his high-pitched analysis of what was going on.
3: Yeah. The nicest guy, I remember one time we were, in, we were in Sacramento, you were there for a card at the Arco Arena, and, and Harold was signing autographs afterwards, and there was an HBO limo driver, I guess he wanted to go somewhere, and he kept looking at his watch, he kept looking at his watch, and, and Harold told, finally told him to blow off, he goes, hey, he goes, he goes, don't worry about it, he goes, I'll get back to the hotel with Pedro. But he blew the guy off, because so, he stood there. He must have signed autographs for like an hour.
11: Well, I didn't know uh, uh, he was such a big star, but uh, I never had one of those sessions. Nobody ever corralled me to do that.
3: No, but the Pavarazzi chased you all over after the Mayweather thing, though.
11: Well, that's one fight among hundreds.
3: No, no. Then you got into the beef with Delaware. Com- you want me to? You want me to go down the list?
11: <laughs> I'm not. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying <laughs> it's interesting that Harold Letterman, who is an unofficial, official, official scorer and lent a different breath to our shows, um, would have such
3: a fan base. 1967, he became a professional boxing judge. And of course, he he was always you know in I, I'm trying to th- I think he was called 741, 741 Letterman or something like that. But the boys in New York City, Mike Katz, Michael Marley, Wally Matthews, back when they had that, that trifecta going, New York Newsday, New York uh, New York Daily News, and New York Post, they had that going on. I mean, they they knew him as that. He was he was he was he was, he was quite a figure.
11: Yeah, and it's because he called it as he saw it, and he saw it well because he had been a, an official official, uh, for a long time.
3: You know, I, I used to tell people I would tease the show. I would "We'll be back with the drug. We'll be back right after the break with the biggest drug dealer in boxing." And they're going, "Huh?" <laughs> and then I bring Harold back, and I say, "Well, let's welcome the biggest drug dealer in boxing, Harold, because he was a licensed pharmacist." Right. And people, 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 drug dealers, drug dealers. Anyway, um, <laughs> on a different note, Don King uh, put a gun to his head last night and pulled the trigger. Did you happen to catch any of that? No. Okay, I didn't mean he committed suicide. I didn't mean he put a show on TV that was so bad it basically ruined him for. I mean, if if his he has no reputation left whatsoever. He put on this guy Trevor Bryan against a guy named Guillory. The Guillory was like a twenty-five to one um, underdog.
11: And what? And what
3: network ran that? Uh, of course, yeah. Don went with it on his own pay-per-view channel. Really? Yeah. And, of well, course, you know, that bet bombed out. Um, but Was it any better or worse than the ESPN
11: show with uh, Bob Arum?
3: Um, I, you know, Bob Arum had a bunch of routes on that show last night, but I don't know. I mean. I thought they were dreadful.
11: Yeah, in, in, but. but whole. I wonder what Tulsa did to deserve that show.
3: <laughs> you, you got a point there. Tony Holden, of course, a promoter extraordinaire from Tony from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I used, you know, Millie and Mills Lane, before Mills had that stroke, we had a TV contract with CBS and we are going to do monthly shows on CBS and Tony Holden put this, put this contract together with me, Mills, and my, my nemesis, Al Bernstein. So it was the three of us who were going to do this and then Mills had that stroke and, you know, timing is everything, Godfather, and I don't want to sound negative in this and that, but, man, if Mills could only had that stroke a month later,
11: <laughs> I I I guess he he thought the same thing.
3: Uh, oh okay. Hey, they're going to come out with some a special uh, movie special, The City of Ali. Have you heard about this at all? No. Oh, neither have I. I just got a, a, a email from it from Vive TV Network. Daniela uh, uh, Jockman sent this to me. Said that the um, here's the original LinkedIn blah, Blah blah blah. The trailers included Muhammad Ali, The City of Ali premieres on WBC TV and Vive TV. February 22nd, 2022. It was supposed to debut on the 17th of January, but get this, at the request of the State Department, the date is now February 22nd, 2022. Can you imagine the State Department getting involved with any movie distribution, Distribution, Godfather?
11: Uh, I could imagine this scenario. What
3: was the one they gave? I, they, they, there was no excuse. They just said, you know, we want this to come out on the 22nd, so they're going to come out on the 22nd. Evidently... Jerry Cooney is going to be part of this, of course. Jerry Cooney, Mauricio Suleiman, and different members of the Ali family. Speaking of the Ali family, um, the great kid. Let, go on.
11: Let me get something in here. Speaking okay. of movies, uh, I don't know that whether you know that there's a major um, a studio production of a George Foreman movie um, coming up uh I don't know when, probably next year, but I had an hour and twenty-minute conversation with the actor who's going to play me. <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: that that's 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 unique. What's he like?
11: Well, he's from Chicago. He's mostly a theater guy, okay. and um, um, he seemed very bright. And he just wanted to talk to me about my life and my background and uh, to have a better idea of. Of uh, who he's playing, okay.
3: you know. You and I are about the same size, height-wise. And when I was a kid, I used to watch George Foreman spar in 1967, 1968, uh, before and after he won the Olympic gold medal at Newman's Gym here in San Francisco. And he used to beat up guys our size. He was a bully.
11: Yep. Well, that was his style as a fighter until he and, and, until Ali and uh, who is that Philadelphia fighter who beat him?
3: Jimmy Young? Boxer,
11: Jimmy Young. And then uh, he went into hibernation for 10 years. And when he came out, he was uh, a, a boxer puncher or a puncher boxer. He wasn't just a bully.
3: You know, the metamorphosis was a real one. I mean, he, he he changed like from the butterfly to the caterpillar. That's how drastic of a change it was. Because having known him at Newman's Gym, and he remembered me from Newman's back in the day. He remembered me from being I was a kid. I was I was a persistent little kid with no doubt about. It. I always wanted to know something about George Foreman. George, 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 George. This and I'd follow him around the gym and things like that. But. He knew that, and then, you know, he talked about the old days and the new days, and and the difference in in human beings was was remarkable. It's just like metamorphosis. I don't know what other word to use. Well, I've
11: never uh, met an athlete, a star star athlete especially, who his personality flipped 180 degrees from before and after.
3: Okay. Got a question for you. Why, you know— from personal experience, I found out that winners are hated and losers are forgotten. Why do people hate Tom Brady, Tom Brady the way they do?
11: I don't think they do. I think no. they've been celebrating him uh, recently. I think
3: early on, for some reason,
11: with Belichick in New England. And uh, Listen, he's got everything. He's married to a Miss World. He's <laughs> he, he set every quarterback record on its head. Uh, he's a handsome, good-looking kid. Um, so it's it's envy, I think.
3: Well, he, he's got to be. And you know what? His private jet looks better than yours. I bet it does. <laughs> <laughs> so
11: does your so does your
3: jet look better than mine? <laughs> My jets are in the bathtub. <laughs> Jacuzzi jets. That's about. That's as close as I get to jet scores. Flying now. Hey, Godfather. It seems like the this new virus, this new variant, this not that. It seems to have uh, less of an impact as far as putting people in the hospitals concerned, because not too many people are really getting violently ill up here, and that's sort of a good thing, I think.
11: Well, it's a better thing. We'll put it that way. And uh, um, I have relatives, uh, many of whom are young, um, who have acquired that that new virus and uh, seems to be recovering and and tell me that it's not uh it's like a bad cold or a flu.
3: Okay. One of your favorite fighters comes back March the 4th of course it's going to be on ESPN talking about Jose Ramirez taking on the Battle of Jose's Jose Ramirez Jose Pedraza both fighters are pretty hot. Uh yeah,
11: I, I I'm I'm looking forward to that. Okay. You, I'm you know, looking forward to the heavyweight fights as well.
3: And Dillian White, of course, is going to be a big event in England. I had Sir Kenneth Rainford from the U.K. on in the first hour of Ring Talk today, and he talked about that, be a big fight in the U.K. Will it be a big fight in the United States?
11: Well, I don't, I don't think it would be as, nearly as big as it would be in the, in the U.K. Uh, the, the heavyweight uh, scene is dominated now by Europeans. But uh, he is such a big character that if he came here and uh, had another uh, big fight in America, I think it would uh, cause a lot of people to jump out of their seats. Okay.
3: No American heavyweights. Is that because nobody wants to run the mountains and do the hard stuff that boxing entails versus football, baseball, basketball?
11: Look, all those sports have their own... Uh, um,
3: uh, yeah, but getting beat up regularly isn't part of it.
11: But I, what, what, what interests me, Pedro, is that uh, it seems that Andy Ruiz is uh, stirring in his corner and um, coming back, which he should if he can take off some weight and train seriously. I think he's a, he's a, uh, a compete with anybody.
3: Yeah, but he, you know, he he sort of killed me when he went into training for that five, pounds of rematch with with Anthony Joshua. That just really uh,
11: I agree. With, I agree with you.
3: It drove us okay. it drove a stake right through my heart.
11: Well, hopefully he has spent all the m- big money he made and uh he's hungry again.
3: <laughs> hungry again. A fat guy <laughs> being hungry. Godfather, how's the <laughs> godmama? Um uh, she's doing all right, She's all right. You know, struggling a
11: little bit, but uh, She's getting around.
3: Give her my best. I still I still anticipate coming down to see you guys in the month of February. Um, my, new, my I have a new producer and Anthony. I know you talked to him. Scott Cuddy left me after 813 weeks.
11: 813 weeks. That sounds like about 16 years.
3: Yeah, it is. That's a <laughs> lot. Man, holy cow, a lot of radio.
11: Yep, it sure is. It is.
3: Anyway, Godfather, kiss the Godmama. We'll talk next week. It's so great to have you back. It's so great to be back rocking and rolling here in the saddle.
11: Let's get it on.
3: The great Larry Merchant, the Hall of Famer at first, himself on Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, this is your inside look into the world of boxing and MMA. On the other side of the break, I'll delve into the world of mixed martial arts, folks, and talk about the UFC and their man, the pimp of all pimps, Dana White. I can say that because he is just that, a pimp. And if you don't know what a pimp is, look it up in the dictionary between the breaks. You are tuned to Ring Talk and WBC-TV.
5: vaccination, all across the nation, to keep you from catching A Kit, Pot Ha And When you get the notion,
9: Towers got the potion.
1: That's 800-685-2080. How is your car
5: payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR
2: Now, more Ring Talk with
1: Pedro
3: Fernandez. You are to Ring Talk Live Worldwide and WBC TV, of course, coming to you on VTV. TV. My name is Pedro Fernandez. Welcome back to the show. Of course, 37, make that 38-plus years now of being often imitated but never duplicated. The original podcast you're watching here right now, Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Now, <clears throat> we delve into the world of Dana White, pimp extraordinaire, the biggest exploitator. Let me it this way. Human exploitation You think of that in some of these uh, African countries when they make people work for, like, a nickel and a dime and that kind of good stuff. No, 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 no. It happens right here in the continental United States, and it happens out of Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm talking about Dana White, the president of the UFC uh, Ultimate Fighting Championships. Call it what you want, UFC. I call him a pimp, and I'll tell you why. Last week, Francis Ngannou, God, he's a mar- marvelous athlete. He is. He's six foot four. He can punch harder. I think than any heavyweight boxer right now. Boxing professionally, that's how hard he punches. Anyway, bottom line is, he was the UFC heavyweight champion, sixteen and three. I believe going into this fight was Cyril Gane. Gane was undefeated. He's a boxer, a good boxer. A guy, box- all he does is box. No wrestling, this and that. So what happened was in the fight. Ngannou took him to the ground and wrestled him for the first for the five rounds, and nobody thought that Ngannou was going to do that because he had a hurt ACL and a hurt MCL, and was, he had all kinds of injuries. But he didn't want to pull out of the fight because if he pulled out of the fight, he would have had to make the fight up sometime later for the UFC, and he wanted to get out of his UFC contract. Why? Because it's a slave contract. There's just no doubt about it. They offered him seven million dollars. He would have made seven million bucks off the bat. Had he re-signed with the UFC, Francis Ghana decided not to re-sign with the UFC. <clears throat> so after beating Cyril Gane and beat him down for almost every round, if not four to one, it was a five to one zip as far as the scoring was concerned. Um, you know they usually have the point in the ring where the champion's belt is put on him, and Dana White usually puts the belt on the champion. Well, for the first time in the history of the UFC, the first I've ever seen. I don't watch all that many, but I've watched them for a long time. Don't watch them all. Dana wasn't there. Daniel wasn't there to put the belt on Ngannou. is the guy that's going to w- sit out his contract. He's going to get this his surgery done on his, his body. He's going to sit out this contract. He's not going to fight anymore for the UFC. And I think what will eventually happen is... He will fight John Jones. John Jones will also become a free agent. They will get some type of uh, third-party promoter. They will put together the biggest pay-per-view in the history of MMA. These two guys going at it without a doubt. They will sell more pay per views than anybody. Pay-per-view king John Jones, no doubt about that. When it comes to pay-per-view, him and Ngannou, <clears throat> the epic of epics. This is no doubt about that. So <clears throat> I think they do it independently of Dana White. And of course, Dana, what can I say? Five point two million dollars was the live gate for that Francis Ngannou-Ciroganic card. 5.2 million bucks. And you got to figure, let's figure he made $35 million on pay-per-view. Just, oh, no, 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 Tia, $35 million on pay-per-view. Well, the fighters didn't get none of that pay-per-view money. None. I mean, Ngannou didn't get any of it. He got $600,000 flat. That's like 10% or less than 10% of $5.2 million. So, and all in all, uh, I think they paid like, like the entire... Pay scale was something like less, like less than $3 million for the entire card. Come on, man. That's pimping. I'll say it again. When I was a policeman here in San Francisco, okay, if I ran into people like Leo or I don't know, that was one of the pimps I knew. Anyway, bottom line is if I ran into him say, hey, man, time to put your girls to work for $0.10 cents on the dollar. Say What? Yeah, you know, getting more $0.10 cents on the dollar because that's what the UFC is paying. So if the UFC can pay that, you can pimp your girls off at $0.10 cents on the dollar. Man, if he paid his girls $0.10, cents on, the, 10 cents on the dollar, they'd be on the first bus to San Diego or, or Denver or Chicago or something like that. They'd just be out of it. He would have no business. He couldn't. Put it this way. Dana, only. the only reason why Dana is able to exist the way he, he does is that Scott Coker, the guy that's the head of Bellator, is like, he doesn't smoke weed, but he should. I mean, because he's like he always—he's—he's he's like a step and a half behind everybody. Sorry, Scott, man, I'm late to you like it is. You know, whether you stiffed me on an appointment a couple of years ago, I still remember that. But, you know, you're—you're you're slow. He had all that MTV money at one point in time. About five or six years ago, the MTV and Viacom had put all kinds of money into, into Bellator. They bought it, right? I mean, this was your this was your chance to break out. This was your chance to maybe eclipse USC, make a, m- a move on the USC, go after some of their bigger fighters as soon as the contracts expired, offer them big money, let them know that Bellator is paying big money. Well, guess what? Scott Coker did none of that. In fact, you want to talk about Bellator MMA? Are they regular? One thing about Dana and those guys, they're pimping people pretty often. Maybe once every couple of weeks you see some on ESPN. Of course, it's got a monthly pay-per-view. Next one will be UFC 271. Um, but, you know, they've got regular programming, okay? Not too much talent, but regular programming, okay? The other guys, Bellator, they have little or nothing. At the end of the day, Scott Coker, he's a failure business-wise. And Dana White, I mean, he's a failure business-wise, and Dana White is a failure as a human being. That's just the way I could put it. As far as the rest of the UFC schedule is concerned this year, I really could care less. I mean, that's how, I mean, with outside of Angano, there's not really a whole lot in the UFC worth watching. There's a Amanda Nunes got beat a few weeks ago. Of course, she was the women's pound-for-pound pound queen. I mean, she beat uh, everybody that was out there. I mean, she she stomped when I mean, she beat up Ronda Rousey. That was a bit of a super... Whoa! She beat up Ronda. Ronda decided to come back. She got beat up there. Of course, she beat up everybody put in front of her. I mean, But then again, I try to tell you that when people compete in these MMA fights, even when they win, they lose. And why do I say that? Because the damage, you know, you... you <clears throat> You can't get kicked in the head and get kicked that hard and get choked and that kind of good stuff and not suffer some residual effects, especially if you got to train like that. I mean, that training's got to be some rough training. I used to go down to the what they call it, the, uh, I forget what the name of, what name of it was down there, where uh, Daniel Cormier, the former UFC heavyweight and light heavyweight champion, used to work out down there in LA, uh, in San Jose, in Cupertino I believe. Anyway, they used to work down there, they used to call it the dungeon or something like that and you watch these guys work, they work in this cage man, they work 10, 15, 20 minutes in this cage and they wouldn't take breaks. They would just like wrestle and fight each other for 15 minutes straight. They wouldn't take the break. So therefore, when they came to those, you know, those, those fights that they have in the UFC where they get the one minute break, the one one minute breaks. They in real fights was like a reward because in training, they never took the one-minute breaks. Pretty outstanding human beings as far as athletes are concerned, those guys down there in the UFC gym down there, Cupertino, California. But then again, the athletes are amazing, without a doubt. The system is flawed. Dana White is a flawed human being. Of course, I told you before that if Whitey Bulger, the head of the uh, Irish Mafia in Boston, had he killed Dana White, I wouldn't be having to mention him anymore. I wouldn't. Of course, he was about to kill Dana. That's why Dana ran out of Boston. Dana said, I'm-a-leaving on a jet plane. Yeah, he got the hell out of town because Whitey Bowser told him, hey, Dana, you got this little boxing gym, don't you? He goes, yeah, I do. He goes, oh, okay, I want 2500 bucks a month. 2500 bucks a month for what, Whitey? 2500 bucks a month for protection because if you don't pay me the $2,500, bucks, i am going to break your leg. And you know, Dana was a tough guy. You know, Dana White's a tough guy. You didn't know that? Yeah, Dana White comes off as a tough guy. He's, he's a piece of spit. Anyways, anyway, bottom line is he wasn't that tough. Whitey Bulger bluffed him out of town. He left town. He went to Las Vegas, hooked up with the Vertito brothers, Lorenzo and Frank Vertito. These guys owned a bunch of um, casinos down there, the Palace Casinos <clears throat> and the Station House Casinos, I believe. Those were the two chains that they had. But they owned these casinos. They bought the USC for like less than $2 bucks, and they sold it for $4.2 billion, the greatest business move I've ever heard of in my entire life. When you could take something and buy it for a million and a half and sell it for $4.2 billion or $4,200 million more power to you. That's a good Lord, more power to you. Okay. And I I, reckon as a businessman, I think Dana's, you know, an astute businessman, but as a pimp, I don't like him. And I don't like pimps, especially involved in, in combat sports because, you know, I see boxers, you know, 15, 20 years after they retire and they're moving a little bit slow. And then you see them and, and they got to look at you to remember you and things like that. And I know everybody's like that to an extent, right? But boxing, the residual effects of professional boxing, boxing in general, they're not pretty. Just like football. I never knew what football was all about. I mean, one time I interviewed Mark Gastineau. he was the, uh, the biggest pass rusher in the history of the New York Jets, part of the Sack Exchange, okay? He was this dude, he was a Playboy on town, hanging out in all these studio fifty four, all he had all these fine women the whole nine yards, right? So he quit his football career and then some guy by the name some guy put him together into a boxing career and it was crazy because he couldn't fight a lick. Couldn't fight a lick. So they set him up with a whole lot of fixed fights and this and that. So I had him up there in Reno, Nevada. He had just fought somebody. I forget, some stiff. some He beat up some stiff. Anyway, Rick Parker was the guy that put him up to this boxing thing. Rick Parker's claim to fame was he invented the Magic Green. Remember that Magic Green stuff where you can clean everything with that Magic Green solution? He was the guy that came up with that, Rick Parker. Anyway, he ended up being killed by one of his fighters, got shot. Because he got one of his fighters to throw a fight against. Yeah, yeah against Mark Gastineau. well, Mark Gastineau and I are, I think we're in Reno, Nevada, and I'm doing this pay-per-view. I've only got two and a half minutes on the pay-per-view camera with him. So they're telling me before I go to him, listen, Pedro, You've got two and a half minutes. Get everything you can out of him. Extract everything you can out of Mark. I mean, work on this. Work this interview, blah, 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 because he's one of our future star. We want to build him into a George Foreman fight. So it's going to be Foreman and Gasno. okay? So, okay. So, anyway, I get Mark Gastineau next to me. I go, we're here with Mark Gasno, former head of the Sac New York Jets, blah, blah, blah. I think I even mentioned his, his uh, jersey number, this and that. And he just looked at me, and he didn't say nothing. And he just looked at me. He didn't say nothing. So I say, hey, Mark, what's up, blah, blah, blah. He didn't say nothing. BAM! You know what I did? I didn't slap him. I stepped on his foot. That got his attention. Outside of that, I wouldn't have got the guy's attention. So I was wondering to myself, what the hell is wrong with this guy? What's going on with this guy? And then Larry Merchant told me, I guess about I guess about a year and a half, two or two years later, and this was ninety two when we did this, I guess it was in the mid nineties, Larry told me that he had did a special with HBO about the residual effects of professional football and the fact that these guys were having to go to bed at seven o'clock at night and they had bad memory issue, memory issues and some of them <clears throat> were having <clears throat> excuse me, Parkinson's-like issues and this and that. And Larry did it, dug into it for HBO Sports, and came up with a special on these professional football players getting hurt like that. So Larry tipped me off to the fact that Gaston was essentially punch drunk from football. I mean, come on, man. You hit those, you were talking like, aren't they steel? pretty close to those steel helmets, going steel head-to-head, this and that. You got a guy weighing 300 pounds going up against another guy that's 300 pounds, and there's two or three feet in between them before they combine, before they collide. You don't think something's going to happen there? Something catastrophic eventually? Come on. Anyway, most of the football players now that I went to high school with, some of the guys who were real serious, listen and that, you look at them and this and that, and one eye is off to the right. Yeah, hey, didn't you play Didn't you play football? Yeah, I went to junior college. I went down there and played at CSM. And I look at the guy who's got one eye is like crooked. Like, some of those boxers got crooked eyes. James Page, the former WBA welterweight champion, the guy from Concord, California, who's probably more famous for being... The button-down bandit, a bank robber, than he is for being the WBA champion. But he had one of those eyes where he'd look at you, and he's looking one eyes looking the other direction. What's he looking at? What's he looking at? Shane Mosley, Sugar Shane Mosley, former two division champion, of course, the guy that beat Oscar De La Hoya for the first time. Um, he has one of those eye issues where he's looking at you with one eye, and the other eyes looking all cockeyed. And when a guys got a cockeyed eye, you don't know what to say. I mean, hey, man, do you know your eyes cockeyed? Do they even know it? I don't think so. Anyway, Sugar Shane Mosley, of course. You can watch some of his admissions. People say to me, you know, you talk smack about Mosley. No, I don't. I talk truth about Mosley. Mosley took steroids. Mosley admitted it. He admitted it? Yes. Go to YouTube.com. Punch in Shane Mosley's steroids. You can watch him on videotape. Admit in the deposition taken by Victor Conti and Balco Labs that he took steroids and steroids for the second De La Hoya fight. I'm talking about the 154-pound title fight. I think they've got some quotes for him where he, uh, you know, I, I, I'm fighting a bigger guy, I need the size, I need the extra help, I need the boost, this and that. So they had all these texts, all these different messages, and that, And of course Shane Mosley, yeah, and him and Barry Bonds, all these guys, they all hung up, they all cheated. Marion Lewis, was that the girl that cheated? She won the uh, 2000 uh, Olympics as far as a mile was concerned. They took away her gold medal. All these people that were hooked up with them had their medals taken away, except Shane Mosley. Shane Mosley now lives in a world, people don't mention the fact that Shane was a cheat. Why not? Why not? I mean, yeah, they mentioned the fact that Antonio Margarito tried to cheat against him with those, those loaded hand wraps, but the fact that Shane cheated time and time again. I mean, he was always looking for an advantage, always looking for an advantage. And guess what? Sometimes he cheated. You are tuned to Ring Talk live worldwide. You're inside looking to the world of boxing, MMA, of course, coming to you live on VTV, WBC-TV. My name is Pedro Fernandez. I'm an award-winning writer. Sometimes I even write a little bit. I'm mm, thinking about doing some feature stories for a couple of websites, but the bottom line is nobody wants to pay anymore. You know, when you work for newspapers, you used to get paid, but now the Internet, they want it they, they, back to pimping. They want you to work for free. You're tuned to Ring Talk Live Worldwide.
1: 800-754-4531 1759. Now, more Ring talk with
2: Pedro
3: Fernandez. Don't forget the WBC sponsors the show. It is WBC TV, and you can check out their interactive website at WBCBoxing.com. Now, the hottest fighter at 147 in my mind is not Terence Crawford, who's like 40 and 0, not Earl Spence, who's like 30 and 0. I don't think so. The guy I like is. Virgil Ortiz, 18-0, 18 knockouts. Wasn't that seller of an amateur? I mean, he had a fair amateur career, but I think as a professional, I think he brings it all. I think he's hungry, he's young, he can punch, he knows how to box, he takes a decent shot, and I think he's the underdog as far as the the dark horse is concerned, as far as the welterweight is concerned, 147 pounds. Ultra exciting, of course. Udi Ugas, Udi Of course, he, the uh, the uh, Cuban national, Cuban national that beat Manny Pacquiao a couple of months ago. He's in that mix as well. He's going to fight Earl Spence now. Some people say hey, that's a mismatch. He'll beat Earl Spence will beat him easy. I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, the Cuban beat Terence Crawford in the amateurs. I mean, the Cuban is no bum. I mean, he beat Manny Pacquiao. People think, oh, Manny Pacquiao was old. Yeah, Manny Pacquiao was old, but still, an old version of Manny Pacquiao is a lot, ver- a lot better than a whole lot of guys nowadays. No, no doubt about that. Anyway, you have been listening to Ring Talk Live Worldwide. Of course, the WBC-TV version, of course, brought to you by the World Boxing Council. I want to mention the fact that my producer, Scott Cuddy, who I've been with for 813 weeks, something like 16 years almost, um, 15 and a half years. God, Larry Merch, you see how quick he was? Larry Merchant, I said 413 weeks, 813 weeks, and he said about 16 years. Imagine that. The guy's going to be 91 years old, and he comes up with numbers like that. Holy, going to be 91 February, the – what was the day that Tyson fought um, – the the Tyson fought Boston Douglas February 9th, I think and that's, that's Larry Merchant's 90, 91st birthday so he's ninety one years old he's coming up with stuff like that keep me on my toes without a doubt I wish him the very best hopefully going down to see him and the godmother of course I'm talking about Patricia Stitch Merchant she was an actress but I hope hopefully, hopefully going down to see them in February gonna take them to see go see Vicky Cardona who the hell is Vicky Cardona? She's some pop star by the name of Vicky Carr. Of course, she did her thing as as far as Spanish music and American music. Bottom line is, I hope to take the Godfather and the Godmama out in February down there in Tinseltown, L.A. You've been listening to Ring Talk Live Worldwide, a new producer in the house. Wanna thank him a thousand times, Anthony. I thought Anthony was a short little Asian dude, turned out to be a big tall white dude. So big, big difference as far as the the, uh, the you know the, the the visuals are concerned, but the bottom line is this guy's kicking ass. He's doing a great job, and I want to thank him so much for coming in today, and I look forward to working with him in the future. Until next time, keep your hands up, keep your chin down, and most importantly, keep your butt off the canvas of life. This has been Ring Talk Live Worldwide, a sports byline production.